Hey, entrepreneurs, it's your podcast mogul, Phil Better here. I am excited for this episode, as as I know you are. Before we jump into this episode, I'm going to ask you, if you are also a podcaster and you're looking to grow your podcast or monetize your podcast, make sure you stay till the end of the episode. I have a special deal for you or a special offer, if you will. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most Phil Better, and I'm extremely excited for our guest today as they have dedicated 20 years to helping leaders and teams perform. They share how you can build a cohesive team that gets results. And of course, they are a leader and team development expert coach. Their business, Olson Consulting, helps senior leaders team, uh, leadership teams become high-performing teams, resulting in the whole company improve, improving performance. So without further ado, please, please put your hands together for the founder of Top Team Accelerator, Margie Olson. Margie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Phil. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today? And what's up? It's excellent. And I'm glad to be able to be here to talk to you. I love talking about this stuff. I spent many years not talking about these things. So it's very exciting. I know. I uh, I was a huge fan of podcasting and couldn't talk to anybody because no one knew anything about it. So I'm just talking to the void. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, Phil, I want your advice. So now I feel like a superstar. So now uh, I, we know how we can get along. But uh, Margie, I gave you this nice little intro. Um, I would love for you to just quickly give us a who are you, or like a quick 30-second pitch of who Margie Olson is. So I am uh, I run Olson Consulting, and I've developed Top Team Accelerator. I have my doctorate in organization development, and when I went through that coursework, which was uh, later in life, I was pretty surprised to find that we know what we need to know about leadership and high-performing teams and have known it for now four decades. So I was really... Uh, confused and curious what is happening, translating all of that great knowledge into practice. And that became my passion. Oh, I love that. And now have you always been entrepreneurial at heart or were you a nine to fiver following the, following the stream? So if we go way, way back, everyone's first leader is whoever is raising them. And everyone's first team is anyone that lives at home. And then those first jobs, school, uh, team organized um, activities. And so all along, I was youngest child of four, chaotic environment, moved 22 times by the time I was 17. And I just kept seeing leadership that wasn't working. And then when I got into corporate America, I was darned if I wasn't going to be highly successful and move up the ranks and bring my knowledge and my intuition and my my caring for people and my passion. And it, it year after year, decade after decade, it just became harder and harder. And rather than jumping off the entrepreneurial uh, cliff, I just kept thinking, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to make this work. Now, then, now it becomes a challenge. Now, 
I must be the problem. I must be the problem. And I went through several corporate layoffs, but I also was fired several times. Nothing can get you fired faster than having a sense and, and, and a, a view of the function and dysfunction around you and not being empowered to do anything about it. And so it took me many iterations to finally say to myself, combining the knowledge and the um, experience that I had and virtually all industries, all different types of organizations, for-profit, non-profit, large, medium, small, they all struggle with the same pains and have the same opportunities. And I finally decided that that is what my entrepreneurial journey is, is taking that and making it accessible to them. I love that. I love that. So when you finally did decide to bite the bullet and jump into the world of entrepreneurialism, was it uh, 100% go or did you slowly start a side hustle that led to a moment where you're like, okay, my side hustle is making more than my main job. Ciao, Bello. I'm off to the, the, the races. I was not willing to to go from not all to nothing. And so I've done a transition. And so I flipped into 1099 and I stayed there. And I did the kinds of work that I can do with a 1099. But it, but meanwhile, was having a hard time figuring out how to get everything done to grow my business at the same time. And so I was listening to all kinds of founders and reading books and, um, you know, meeting with people and joining um, conferences and events and organizations. And I kept hearing that you, you cannot do it without help. And my personality has always been, oh, but I can. I can do it without help. And that's been an issue in my personal life and in my professional life. And it wasn't until I finally started to see that I, that what I have to offer is highly effective. And, and it, and I finally had to become humble enough to realize these leaders are not getting up every morning, trying to be bad bosses all day. They are not trying to have dysfunction at work. They're not pretending that they, that they don't know what to do. They really don't know what to do. And they're not, it's not okay to say that. We don't say that in the news. We don't say that at pickleball. But the truth is, most of them, they're not really sure how to do it. You've got lawyers that were trained, so you hire those. Accountants that were trained, so you hire those. Operations folks, chemists that were trained, so you hire those. But you leave the whole people aspect to your own history, your first team, your first leaders, and your um, your your habits. And so once I realized I was able to craft this into something that truly was starting to be successful, then I did what I could have, should have done a decade before, which is start pulling in help. Huh. And what was that like when you started pulling in help? I cried. I, I, I ate a few things that I shouldn't have. It was very stressful. So I would, <laughs> I, I, uh, I tell my family, um, I did an interview with a person who I was looking at hiring to do, might have been something like graphic design. And it was a great interview. They seemed like a great hire. I got off the phone and I burst into tears. And I was this observer self at the same time going, okay, Margie, what is happening here? That was a, that's going to be a great hire. You've got the resources. This is really going to. And it was those old messages about I have to do it myself. And quite frankly, many of the leaders I work with have those same messages. And when the culture doesn't allow for people, peers, fellow you know, leaders, CEOs talking to each other about these things, it is really hard to then just all of a sudden start being open about it. And so I've had to uh, I've had to work 
a little bit of uh, self-help and therapy and, and talking to people and more resources to when I notice when I go through those periods of I I am uncomfortable taking my space on the planet. I'm uncomfortable being an expert. And I am an expert, actually, but I'm uncomfortable and I'm uncomfortable asking for help and observing it and keep moving. And what are my um, what are my opportunities at that time? And then giving myself a pat on the back a few days later and counting my successes. Oh, that actually worked well. That was a great hire. It's going well. It is really helping me. And so then I started reading even more books and I've gotten to the point now, one of my latest fun ones is the 10 times is easier than two times, um, Ben Hardy. It's really fun to start offloading those things that I'm not a genius at and I don't want to do actually. And and there's this level of guilt. Yeah, but you're opening the restaurant. You have to clean the bathroom yourself. You have to do all the painting. Why? Why can't I get help and I'll spend the time doing the things that I'm really good at and that will move the ball down the field farther, faster, and we will all pull this together. And more leaders, more teams, more organizations will benefit because the thing is, and this is what I wanted when I was a kid, I want people to be in a better place in life. That was I didn't know how I was going to get there, but that's what I wanted. When leaders are more effective as, as in leadership and when they are leading their top teams over the organization and they're leading them as a high-performing team, everybody has a better uh, life. And they each represent about five or six people in the community or in their households. All of those people have a better life when leaders feel like they know what they can do to be successful. I don't even want to talk. I just want to sit here and just listen to you talk. (laughs) Have you done a TED Talk yet? I have not. What about, have you done speaking? I'm pretty sure I you have. have. In life, I, I, I did Toastmasters 30 years ago. Well, it, it certainly shows. Um, <laughs> you are coming across, I am enthralled. Like I'm sitting here just listening going, yep. And I'm like putting it into my life. Like I feel like I'm having a therapy session right That's now. That's fantastic. Um, Margie, um, what is a memory? Because I, I know we, as an entrepreneur, I'm, a, I'm still a, a junior entrepreneur. I'm an old school podcaster, but a junior entrepreneur. So I don't have that many uh, memories to keep me warm at night um, during those cold nights of entrepreneurialism. But do you have any moments uh, or a specific memory that stands out when you're like down in the dumps that just keeps you, keeps you going? Mm-hmm. I had a client who uh, was in a transformation, a global transformation, and they were not gaining any traction. It's not as if they were going slow. They were not going at all. And it had been a couple of years. And I'm actually not sure how that works at organizations when people can continue to say, no, nope, not, not picking up traction. Yep. It's been two years. And so they brought me in and they were looking for some traction. And there was this sort of unintended benefit, which was uh, they they started to open up to me as a leader and shared that they had a wonderful coach that they uh, met with a couple times a month. And it was a fantastic coaching partnership. And it had been for a couple of years. And I dug a little deeper over the next several months to try to understand what were they getting out of that coaching relationship. And I couldn't point to anything. I believe the the leader was feeling good about how the sessions were kind of like if you um, go see a therapist or you have a favorite uh, chiropractor, 
you, you, you like how you feel when you come out, but they couldn't point to any changes in the organization. They couldn't point to any changes in their leadership. And by that time we had been working together, I would say seven, eight weeks, we already had a list of 10 concrete ways that the organization was different, including a person was on a performance improvement plan thinking that that person was the problem or one of the problems. And once we implemented some high performing activities and talked about behaviors and used some tools that gave transparency to everybody for what's happening, all of a sudden that per person was a star. That was not a performance improvement plan situation. And they were finally off to the races. And so when I have the moments where I'm not sure then, or I I feel like I still have to do it myself. I keep, then I go back to when it worked and it felt effortless. It didn't take two years and I didn't have to feel bad. I used to feel in organizations, so many consultants I met who, when they left, nothing had changed. They had this big plan or this big thing that they left us with and none of that was being implemented. None of it. I feel good that um, when I leave, they already know how to do things. And so here's the thing. They can't buy this. They, they, they'll pay for the services, but they can't buy it. They can't buy me. They can't even be on the program. The program is one year, but they have to start with three months of executive coaching and we will fix their meetings right away. And we'll do several assessments that will get them to the point where they are much farther than they've been for however long they've been and however many things they've tried. But in that three months, we'll do a fit assessment to understand because they can't look to me to make this happen. They come to me for the knowledge. They come to me to tell me what's going on in their business. They come to me for um, the things that are working well and where should we start. And then we implement the building blocks in a methodical sequence, but they do it all. And so if they're not in a place to do that, or if they have a leadership team that's 20 people and they're not willing to change that structure in those first few months that we're working together, then they have issues that we're not going to be able to solve because they've got a 20 person leadership team and that's not working for them. So if it, we we will figure out if they're a good fit. So to me, knowing that I am not feeling like I will succeed or fail, I will do my, I will bring everything to the table and I will teach them how to do it themselves. I like that. I like that. Cause it's, it's the old adage. Um, you can teach, uh, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, but you yep. uh, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a life. You're doing the exact Correct. same thing. You can give them the answer and they can improve it, but then it just fixes it for a day. No. And everything I do is based on how the brain operates. So you can tell me something, but I'm not going to remember the brain. So I've worked in change management for a while and, uh, there's a lot of change management concern about where well, we're going to do this big change in our organization, a transformation, a new, computer system we're relocating and they all worry about resistance all the leaders well my team is going to be resistant and actually of course they're going to be resistant the brain is hardwired to be resistant 99% of what we do every day 99.9999 is automatic if I had to learn relearn every day how to get up out of bed and grab a glass of water and turn the coffee on I'd never get out of bed I do almost everything I do autopilot so when a leader does what they do when they keep leading meetings in the same way when they uh, read a book or they take a class or whatever, if they can't move it into their habits and their autopilot, it's as if it evaporates. And so we move items in, we practice, we, uh, we, we, we raise and elevate and have transparency. I observe and coach. They learn to coach each other. But all of it is with the, the understanding that we are building habits and unlearning 
old habits and turning it into future behavior. And that's why change these changes finally stick. I like that. And it's and it's true. You have to slowly build. And I have uh, I say I I feel like I'm doing this. I have to build the blocks. I can't be asking other people to build them for me because uh, I won't get the benefit of it. Um, and it's just like building your podcast. I can do it for you, but it's not going to grow if you don't have the passion for it. Um, Margie, I want to switch over into a more educational part of the show, mm-hmm. um, even though you've been teaching us greatly this whole episode. Um, I want to focus more on entrepreneurs when they're switching over from the world of nine to five or something like that, from the same world you were in before or education, something like that, going into our world of this, like the, the world of stress in essence, but it's stress that we choose. Because mm-hmm. we are responsible for it, so it's actual good stress for us. What what kind of advice do you have for someone like that? So first of all, there is differentiation among stress. And so there is good stress and there's bad stress. There's the doing something the same way over and over again and thinking it's going to turn out differently. Um, there is the, the idea that if I am, that I, the I can't is really not helping the I can't. Um, I like to tell leaders in every organization that the, we wonder what burnout, we wonder what's happening with burnout. And the truth is burnout is really one of the main culprits is that what you're doing and what you've set up isn't giving you the result you were looking for. And so I think people are moving away from a 25 page business plan. You can have a 25 page business plan if that helps you feel clearer inside. I will tell the the one piece of advice is whatever it is that you're doing to be the entrepreneur that you want to be and serve and create products and open the door. The most important aspect every step of the way in life is how you feel about it. So if you need $100,000 sitting in an account untouched to feel like you can jump off the cliff, then you need to do that. If you feel like you need one more certification to be legitimate, then you need to do that. If you feel like you need help with the photos, the graphic design, the website piece, so that you feel like it represents what your brand is, then you need to do that. It may or may not even be true. You might be better than the person you hired. But what matters the most is as you feel, you are um, you're, you're tapping into processes you don't even know about. And that's where your genius is. You went into this for a reason. So then the other thing is, you know, we talk about the why, the W-H-Y now, like it's such a normal part of the language and it should be, could be, and I would hate for someone to glaze over, oh, they're talking about the why again. What can you do to remind yourself the why? What can you do to remember? And it helps in 27 things in a day. One of them is, uh, do you remember that crew team that was doing really, really poorly? And then they said, okay, that's it. We are going to make decisions based on does it make the boat go faster? And so they started to compare all of their decisions with whether or not it physically made the boat go faster. And pretty soon they were off to the races, literally, and having success all over the place. We tend to get become splayed because we feel like we have to be everything to everyone. 
to get started and you don't actually not, not because on a gut level, you're going to feel like I'm all spread out. That's not what I got to, into this for. So if you're really clear what you came to it for, then you look to see where will I show up and be my best self with what I have to offer and what can I hire for the other pieces. And if you don't trust yourself or trust the process that you can stay in a narrow lane, for example, I wouldn't go into a company and help them with strategic planning. I could. I'm pretty good at that. I facilitate what I, I don't want to do that. So I'm not going to. And I, there were times in my early business where I thought, okay, but then I'm not going to have clients. Okay. I'll just say yes to clients who want strategic planning. And while I'm there, they, they might hire me for leadership. And the truth is, no, it's the opposite. When I am laser-like focused on what I do that's different and helpful, and I feel it, like it aligns inside, that puts into my path the pieces that fit because I'm really clear with myself and with the universe. I like that. That's being laser focused. And this is the time because we have access with the internet to nearly 8 billion people on the planet earth. And there's, we're not limited by our location anymore. No. Thanks to, thanks to 2020, pretty much. It shows that uh, you can work, uh, we can work anywhere in the world. Uh, yes. Sometimes it is necessary to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation in person, but at the same time, it's not the end of the world. If we had to do business like this, we wouldn't have been able to have this great conversation, Margie, if we didn't have uh, the uh, the, the 2020 happen, even though there was a lot of bad with 2020. Uh, but we'll just call it 2020 for now. Um, snapping my fingers, we're five years down the road. Mm -hmm. What is Margie doing? So Margie leads a team that knows how to do everything that this work is, and organizations are finally starting to talk openly about possibilities. They really can be high-performing leaders. They really can be high-performing teams. I am talking in on venues such as TED Talks and being able to do keynotes, which, by the way, I can do now, and at least give you some hit-the-ground-running opportunities. But I am feeling like I am engaged with enough companies and enough organizations that we are starting to talk about it like it's normal. Because here's what happens when I work with uh, leaders and teams, they start to talk to each other about real things like you can't go to your team and gossip about us. You can't lead your team in, in a different direction. And we don't start there because that wouldn't work. But we put the building blocks in place. And pretty soon in the these conference rooms of these leadership teams, and then they cascade it down to their teams, people are starting to talk openly about behaviors and what's working and holding each other accountable. The way they would, with um, chemistry, they would never let a recipe go through that wouldn't follow codes or wouldn't be the right product. But they'll not talk about behaviors. And so five years from now, now, I am leading teams that are going out and doing this work to normalize talking about behavior to become successful at work. I love that. I look forward to uh, having you back in five years and you telling me that you're far past this, uh, ten this goal. Ten, 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 we're ten times. Yeah, we're 10xing it. You're, you're, you're now on a multi-billion dollar level hey. managing a, imagining companies doing this. That, we're not just teams, companies doing this. And wouldn't that be great for the world? Because what happens is, it, here's what happens. Those issues that are really, really big and really, really hard. Uh, supply chain, uh, workforce uh, issues, um, uh, diversity and inclusion, people, you know, ceilings, glass ceilings. It doesn't make them melt away. It gives your leadership team time to focus on that because you're not solving the same problems over and over again and always putting out fires. You literally free up time and energy to be the better company. 
it's great i love it uh, and we need more of it um i want to know because i i'm a voracious reader of books um i probably finish a book or two a week if i if i'm allowed to uh if my wallet allows me uh what is a book that you would suggest to entrepreneurs to pick up and anywhere in their journey that's going to help them profit first michael michaelowitz so imagine 100 years ago or whatever it was we came up with this formula sales or revenue minus expenses equals profit wrong that's just wrong but it's kind of like when we used to think um, have, it take, eating fat was the reason why we were having health issues. That was just wrong. Profit first, Michael Michalowicz, who is brilliant. He has TED Talks, podcasts, whatever. Um, revenue minus profit equals expenses. And when you set up your business, close your mind to everything you've learned from all the people following that other model. It's it, that formula. It's incorrect. You, the reason you got into business is so that you can pay yourself and so that you can grow it. And when you're always running out of money and running out of money and running out of money, it's not because your profit, your, your product or service is terrible. It's because you've got the formula backwards. Companies that start on profit first very quickly uh, move to a place where they are much clearer about what they can afford. And companies can turn it around in the middle. You can be a large company, a medium company. You can be an entrepreneur for years and you can turn that on a dime and start to do profit first. And within months, you would never, ever go back to the old ways. Definitely going to be putting that on my on my uh, wish list of books to get. Um Coming nearly to the end of this episode, Margie, and I hate it because I'm having so much fun just sitting here listening to you dispel so much wisdom after over 20 years of experience in the uh, making teams high performing and making them the best of the best and leaders, the top leaders. Um, but I'm, I'm going to selfishly ask for a, a single piece of advice for your 10-year-old self, Margie. Have 10-year-old Margie right here. She's a spitfire, firecracker, if you will. Um, this, this advice that you're going to give your 10-year-old self, what is it? It turns out, it works out, and you'll get what you get from this family that you're in right now or this situation that you're in right now. But when you're an adult, you'll have access to a whole lot more of resources and wisdom and um, opportunities. And your own natural self will just get better and better and better. So enjoy it. Feel okay. Feel confident now. And then when you grow up, when you find your why, things begin to open up that you didn't even envision. I love it. Margie, I'm going to jump off stage here. I want you to let my audience know where they can follow you, connect with you, whatever you decide for the audience. Uh, so the floor is yours. Thanks, Phil. So I'm at www.olsonconsulting.com. Olson has a silent E, O-L-E-S-O-N-consulting.com. You'll find all kinds of resources in there that you can implement immediately. And then follow me on LinkedIn, Margie.Olson, O-L-E-S-O-N. And I have lots of uh, information out there, articles and videos videos and ways to immediately hit the ground running today with ways to fix your meetings and uh, grow your team and be better very quickly. 
Margie, thank you oh so much for coming onto the podcast, sharing your knowledge with my audience and with me. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to re-listening to this episode. Thank you. Nice to be with you, Phil. To my audience, make sure you check out the show notes down below to connect with Margie and everything else that she has to offer you. I highly suggest you do it because she has some incredible articles over on LinkedIn that can help you take your business to the next level. I want you to thank you for your listening. And I remember to always invest in yourself. Hey, digital entrepreneurs, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Now, if you're looking to take your podcast to the next level, like most of these entrepreneurs have taken their business to the next level to scale it, if you will, make sure you check out my brand new newsletter. Links are down below. It is called the Monetization Mogul Syndicate Newsletter, or it could be Feel Better stories of monetization moguls or making moguls is what i do so make sure you go ahead and check that out but i want to thank you very much for listening and as always remember to invest